Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Academica Vertex podcast. I'm Warren Bunsell. You can follow me on Twitter at Warren underscore Esk. And with me today to talk all about the World Cup and the Premier League is Aditya. How are you, Aditya? I'm fine, Warren. Thanks. Uh, we had a bit of very surprising. We had a very surprising round of uh, games in the uh, quarterfinals. So tomorrow, I suppose the semi-finals begin, and especially I'm just waiting to see how. France play against Belgium and even FPL getting launched, you know, amidst all this World Cup drama is kind of surprising. So, you know, looking forward to the upcoming Premier League season. Yeah, all the stuff's kicking in right now, you know. It's all very, very exciting. In today's episode, we will talk in detail of the knockout stages of the FIFA World Cup 2018, how it all happened and what is still left in store for us. But before that, let's talk about the Fantasy Premier League. The game released last week, and probably the earliest it has been for a few seasons. Many believed that it may have been due to someone's fault in the official FPL headquarters. What do you think? Do you think they mistakenly uh, leaked some of the info, which meant that they had to release game li- a bit earlier? Do you think that? Uh, I guess uh, if I've seen the last season, I think every day they used to release this... Uh upcoming seasons, prizes of various players with polls and all. So, I think it all started as their schedule. And I think the list of the player prizes, I think it came quite early. So, I think that's the reason they had to launch the game within like 3-4 hours. Yeah. So I think somebody must have, you know, accidentally uploaded it. Now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everyone is thinking. There were some uh, surprises in store for the Fantasy Premier League managers as well. A lot of players were overpriced, some would say. Salah, the top point scorers of last season, uh, though still being a midfielder, is will cost us £13 million. Harry Kane will be £12.5 million. And there will be some position changes. Uh, Wilfred Zaha and Arnautovic are both £7 million strikers. Uh, what do you think about these position changes? Do you think that uh, Zaha and Ar- Arnautovic are still... Very good options for us to have in our team. Yes, I mean, for, in last season, we didn't have a lot of options in this price bracket, especially from uh, 6 to 8 million, roughly. I mean, uh, at the you know the winter transfer window, especially we had St. Tosun arriving, so we had an option around uh, 7, 7.5. And then we had the regulars like Charlie Austin and the others around the 6, 6.5 million bracket. So I guess this time with Wilfred Zah and Marco Onartovic, I think... Uh, we do have a lot of options now to consider in the forward zone. And uh, do you think uh, Salah and Kane are still going to be uh, very crucial for our teams, even at that higher price? They could be. You know, uh, it's very difficult to you know predict how these players will perform. Especially Kane is still playing in the World Cup, so you know, once the preseason begins, we have to monitor the minutes, how much they play, and then we can judge whether we need them in our squad or not. But I guess Salah, thirteen million is. A little bit higher. I mean, uh, there are there may be few other options to consider. Even Sadio Mane at nine point five and all. So we do have other options to consider. So maybe it, it all depends on you whether you if you feel Salah is worth having in your squad for thirteen million. Many people still believe he is, and if he performs nearly as well as he uh, did last season, he might well uh, be worth that price tag. And uh, similarly with Kane, if he can get some. Uh, momentum at the start of the season, the price won't be uh, too large for people to get him in. And uh, talking about uh, the prices, uh, 
What about the Cardiff and Wolves and Fulham players? Uh, they have just arrived into the game. And uh, what do you think of the prices of the players uh, that are playing for these teams? Uh, I guess Diego Iota, I think he's around 6.5 million. He plays as, I think, a secondary striker for Wolves. So, again, it's kind of a bargain price at 6.5 considering his performance last season. And uh, Ruben Neves is around 5 plays more sort of a defensive role, but is also highly involved in their attacking, uh, you know, performances. So, Wolves do have a few players. Then, uh, about Cardiff City, uh, Junior Hoylet is there. Uh, I think, I suppose he played well for them last season. So, I think his price is around 5.5 and a midfield option too. So, would be good. The next would be from Fulham, I think, Ryan Sissinga. Uh, 6.5. Uh, plays most sort of the left wing back if I'm not wrong. So again, we do have uh, you know various options from the from the newly promoted sides to consider. And uh, both Barry Douglas and Sean Morrison are five million defenders. So are they overpriced according to you? Uh, we will have to wait and see how they perform in the Premier League. Uh, probably four four point five four point five. I think we have we do have a few you know defenders to consider so again. If we look at newly promoted sides and their defenders price at five, that's you know quite a lot. I mean, even Burnley defenders last season were priced at four point five, and these defenders price at five is you know a little bit quite high. Uh, I think uh, they are a bit high, but uh, probably due to their attacking input and the possibility of assists and goals from those players. But we'll still have to see if they can uh, carry on that form into the Premier League as well. And talking about bargains, uh, there are some uh, really good bargains priced at 6.5 million. Uh, as you said, Diego Yota, along with him, Pierre Walker of Everton, Richarlison of Watford, and he, uh, even Milivojevic, uh, the penalty king of Crystal Palace. And Henrik Mkhitaryan at 7 million. Many think he could be a potential bargain as well. What are your thoughts on these players? I'm looking forward to Henrik Mkhitaryan. I don't know how... You know, it's going to be a very, very different season for him at Arsenal this time. Uh, and uh, we'll have to just wait and see how he, you know, plays with Unai Emery, with Aubameyang and uh, Lacazette. So, we'll have to see. But at that price, at 7 million is quite tempting, you know. An Arsenal player other than Lacazette or Aubameyang, if you don't want to spend so much money on the forwards, probably Mkhitaryan would be away inside Arsenal's spot. Yeah, that it is a really, really good price for an Arsenal attacker. So... Except Kane and Salah, which key players do you think will be the big hitters that uh, we should keep an eye on, uh, the early signs that you get? Uh, since Leroy Sané hasn't participated in the World Cup, so we could have a look at him. Price at 9.5, fully rested, fully recovered. So, I'm, I guess he would be my, uh, you know, the first player yeah. in my squad from Man City. Or even David Silva, 8.5, Spain also eliminated from the World Cup. Could be another bargain from Man City. Then uh, I just want to have a look at Alexis Sanchez. Price at ten point five this time. Uh, again, not playing in the World Cup, fully getting recovered. Uh, you know, good training sessions I've seen his Instagram posts and all. You know, a lot of gym sessions and all, keeping himself fit. So probably Alexis Sanchez would be a good option for Manchester United rather than spending eleven million on Lukaku. Yep, and. Uh... Alexis Sanchez, he could be in penalties as well. And given his second season, he would want to perform really well. 
and talk uh, even uh, david silva i think uh, many believe that he may not get a lot of playing time this season so that could really hinder his value uh, moving on the last uh, thing i want to talk about is uh, given a lot of players will be late from the world cup and england being in such a late stage there may be some bargain players that can get into our teams and uh, can have an impact early on in the season one of them is luke shaw at manchester united he could start the new season at the left back uh, with Ashley Young uh, coming late from the World Cup. What do you think? Yes, he can. But now even Manchester United have signed Diego Dalo. So, again, there will be definitely some competition for Shaw. But, yeah, he could be a bargain considering his price. But even, I suppose, um, Victor Lindelof. Now, since Sweden are also eliminated, I guess he and Bai would be the pairing for Manchester United in the upcoming season since he has performed very well in the World Cup. So, I suppose Mourinho will give it a shot considering Lindelof. I don't know how much he's priced that. I think he's around 5 or 5.5. Yeah, Lindelof is 5. So, again, that could be a bargain from Manchester United. Yeah, Manchester United defenders are really sought after. So, that's all for the Fantasy Premier League game. The early insights into what we all have in mind uh, a lot of preseason still remaining with the World Cup still going on and that will uh, really uh, shape our thinking while making our final draft uh, for the first game but let's move on let's talk about the World Cup now so the knockout stages started last week uh, we had the round of 16 and the quarterfinals and a lot of stuff has gone down first of all uh, we all we're expecting to see a Messi versus Ronaldo in the quarterfinals. But that didn't happen. Both Argentina and Portugal went out in the round of 16 to France and Uruguay, respectively. Both the teams failed to impress and didn't perform very well in all the four games that, that they played. So, uh, what does it mean uh, for the GOAT debate, given it might be both of their last World Cup tournament? Yeah, if we consider this good debate and their last World Cup appearance, uh, I can't rule them or possibly maybe in another four years in the next World Cup, they can. It all depends on their fitness, how well fit they are. So, if they feel they are fit enough to play the next World Cup, then we can still see Ronaldo and Messi playing. I suppose Messi will play. He'll be around 35 years. So, I suppose... Yeah, I expect both of them to play in the next World Cup, even Ronaldo. And let's assume is let's assume it is their last World Cup. So, what does it mean for that debate? It's it's very difficult to say who, who I mean who is the best among these two. Undoubtedly, these two players both are the greatest of all time. One off, maybe considering even our past historically good players. So, um, it's, it's very difficult. Both of them have their own different skill set of playing. Ronaldo may be good physically, uh, maybe fast. Messi is good skillfully, dribbling and all. So, you know, both of them have their own different skill sets. It's very difficult to compare. Yeah, they both are different attributes and they have used them to their advantages all their careers. And I think it's just about right that they both get eliminated at the same stage, you know, just to end the debate and, you know, just love these players for... Uh, them and that we are privileged enough to live in a, in an era to watch them both play. And uh, many would say that Kylian Mbappe may may have taken the reins from them. But I we'll, guess we'll have to see how he does in his career. 
let's talk about the Spanish team. They were expected to go all the way by a lot of uh, people. And they went out in the round of 16 to the host Russia. Did they deserve it? Uh, I mean, Russians deserve to go ahead because the way they defended, it was very good to see Russia. I mean, the way they defended. And Spain, we, we could see them, how they were building up the game. Like all the short passes, forming the triangles and all. They're not building up the attack. So, yeah, again, Gerard Piquet's handball. I mean, that's another you know, controversy. We can't see really he intended to lift his arm at that moment or whether it was a reflex action and all. So, I don't know. If, if the penalty wasn't given, I think sure Russia would be struggling. Now, it, it's, it's, I feel it's too late to discuss since Spain are out, even Russia are out. So, yeah. I guess now we have to look forward to the semi-finals. But again, I think Spain were unlucky. In a, in a sense, their manager, Loptigui, um, he was sacked today before the World Cup. Again, all this drama going on. And when I heard, I guess, Gilliam Balge saying that there is some, you know, uh, co- commotion, confusion within the Spain squad before the Russia game. And he said, I suppose that he has a gut feeling that they wouldn't go ahead. The same thing happened. So, again, you know, I don't know what really happened now. now since, I guess, today, Luis Enrique has apparently announced their new head coach. So, let's see, maybe a next... The next four years, maybe in the next Euro, maybe we could see a different Spanish side, probably uh, without PK or even Ramos. So, we could just wait and see. Yeah, it would be very disappointing though for the Spanish team because they are one of the favourites and they always are favourites. But there were a lot of underperformers all over the place, starting in defence, right through to the attacking side. And they probably didn't deserve to go through anyways. Uh, Russians, however, will be proud that they did finish uh, in the quarterfinals in their home turf. And that's a, that's a very commendable performance, to say the least. So, moving on to uh, the first of our semi-finalists, Belgium. They uh, did perform really well in the knockout stages. They did show character, in the words of Brendan Rodgers, against Japan. And beat both the odds and the Brazilian side. They will be brimming with confidence. Uh, they have players performing really, really well uh, all over all over the site uh, with defenders such as Thomas Minier and uh, in attack with Romelu Lukaku, Aiden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne. Of late, Marwan Fellaini and Nasir Charlie have come into the side and kept their place by performing really, really well. This is the first semi-final ever in a World Cup tournament. Should they be favourites for the tournament? What do you think? Initially, everybody started saying Belgium could be one of the sides that would progress, but they will meet Brazil and probably will be going home. But that, that isn't the case. In the group stages, we did see Dries, Mertens and all playing. But then, I guess it's a very intelligent move from Roberto Martinez, trying to get in more sort of, you know, uh, defensively strong players to restrict the opponent's, you know, attacking players. So, I guess this is a very, very good move. And uh, yeah, Belgium do have a fair shot. I mean, just a game away from the final now. But France, uh, it's very difficult to see how how they will beat France because they have been so consistent from the beginning of the tournament. You know, defensively strong, attacking, good, very good in the midfield. You know, there's, there's, it's all getting labelled as the side that will progress to the final and, you know, may even have the trophy this year. So, you know, we can't really rule out any side because it's, it's, it's just a game away from the final. So... It all depends who performs well on that given day. 
Yeah, and they won the favorite against Brazil, so but they still perform really well. So we just can't call it in this this year's World Cup, can we? Brazil, however, will be really disappointed with their performance. They were looking to go all the way. They were performing really well, and after Spain's defeat, they were probably the favorites. So what went wrong? Jesus underperforming. Villian had Costa. What do you think? I guess even in the Belgium's game, they did miss three chances. I think within few twenty minutes or so. I guess uh, Thiago Silva hit the post. Uh, Paulinho, you know, just you know, missed time this volley. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's very unfortunate seeing if if those chances had gone in, then you know, the match would have totally changed. And again, I think I guess Gabriel Jesus, you know, didn't perform up to his expectations. You know, the way he performed for Man City, so. A lot of uh, expectations have been gone down this time. Seeing all the big teams getting knocked out, like Spain getting knocked out, Brazil, then Portugal, Argentina, Germany in the group stage. So yeah. So Belgium were the first side to get into the semi-finals, and they will be facing France in tomorrow's first semi-final game. They won two impressive in the group stages, uh, scraping through the points and finishing top of their ta- uh, top of their group. But uh, since the knockout stages, they have really impressed, scoring a lot of goals against Argentina and uh, keeping out Uruguay really convincingly. There have been some unexpected heroes such as Benjamin Pavard and Lucas Hernandez, while senior players such as Paul Pogba and Golo Kante and Antoine Griezmann playing really well. Kylian Mbappe had a real spark to the team. They will be very confident to go all the way this time. Is it time for the Le Blues to show their quality? Yes, indeed, it's their time. Considering all their, all the players formed, how well they are, you know, performing well together as a unit. Their chemistry, their age, their potential. I think everything is, you know, going in the right direction. I mean, France are indeed living up to the expectations. But if if we look at their disappointing Euro final match, they could have easily won it. But you know, Portugal did win with Eder's goal. So they would be looking actually to win this tournament now. They're just again, as I said, a game away from the finals. But again, Belgium, they are a good side now. But we'll have to just see. I mean, the way uh, Benjamin Pavard and Lucas Hernandez are performing, the right backs and the left backs, they you know they get overlap pretty well with the wingers in their attack. So the sides, you know, passing is kind of fluid, and the defense is also kind of strong. So. They, I mean, they have the strength to, you know, even win the World Cup. Yeah, the balance all along the side seems very well, and players seems to complement each other, and uh, that they are performing well at the right time. They weren't really unconvincing in the group stages, but uh, right now they are playing really well, and that now is the time to do it. So maybe uh, it's time for the Blues. Uh, moving on. Croatia, the third side in the semi-finals, they were impressive in the group stages, winning all three games, and they were gritty in the knockout stages. They showed balls of steel, winning two consecutive penalty shootouts. Luka Modric and Ivan Rakitic, their leading men in midfield. Impressive performances from Ivan Perisic and Ante Rebic as well. And Subasic seems like a kind of a penalty shootout expert. Could they go one better? Then their best showing in the World Cup that they went into the semi-finals 20 years ago. Yes, uh, again, 
nobody even expected Croatia to progress so far into the semi-final. People did, you know, label them. They will go to the quarter-finals round of 16 indefinite. But all of the players have outdone themselves. Luka Modric, uh, Ivan Rakitic, Mario Mandzukic, Perisic and all. All of these players have, you know, really showed up their experience, how much experience they had with their clubs and are, you know, uh, showcasing all their talents here. So, you know, it really goes to the Croatian side for displaying such a good performance and uh, especially Subesic. He's, he's been playing some excellent football. I mean, look at his goalkeeping abilities. Even uh, we have to, you know, uh, commend Kasper Schweikel. I think he has been one of the outstanding keepers this time in the tournament, other than Subesic. So, yeah, th- this time it, it's been a very different World Cup, to be honest. Uh, the big sides and all, uh, you know, haven't progressed, have disappointed. And I guess the four semifinalists are all European teams. So, you know, it's, it's kind of different now, not seeing a South American team, you know, even going to the semifinals and finals. Yeah, it's a very different World Cup. Uh, everyone can see that pretty easily. It's all the big teams faltering and the teams that nobody thought will perform that. Even Belgium, they were they they had the team for a lot of time and they were used to easily bottle it and uh, not perform to their level. And this time they're doing it and uh, it's making the World Cup really, really interesting. As for Croatia, I think they they have they have outdone themselves in some regard, but they had the quality. They it was it it's it is their golden generation of players and they the for the first time they have played up to where they should and uh, it's it's their time you know getting to the semi-finals maybe even the finals who knows but uh, we will be saving the best till the last and uh, saying that let's talk about England it might actually come home this time the young team of Gareth Southgate performing really well this time uh, breaking all the hoodoos winning a penalty shootout that they don't seem to do, winning two knockout games. They don't seem to do that. And they beat the bogey team Sweden in the last round, kept a clean sheet and a goalkeeper actually playing really well. All signs of greatness and glory. Do you think it is coming home? It could come home because they are still a game away from reaching the finals. So as of now, I guess everyone should be optimistic enough I'm saying it is coming home, it should come home. So, indeed, it can come home. So, you can't rule out any possibility. Yes, I mean, considering the England squad, uh, most of the players have been involved in most of the attacking performances, goals and all. Almost, uh, the defence have also contributed in many ways in scoring goals. Like last time, uh, in the last game against Sweden, the first 15, 20, 35 minutes were like very boring. I mean, it looked like it's going to be a draw and it's going to be some kind of issue or not. But the corner from Ashley Young and the goal by Maguire just, you know, totally changed the script of the game. So, so that that kind of, you know, sparked the players. Like, this is a chance to score another one and just, you know, kind of defend well and ensure that we progress. So, you know, they played well as a unit. Uh, not to forget the Harry Kane, you know, creating some, you know, small, small chances with passes and all. Uh, Jesse Lingard has been very, very impressive this season. I mean, uh, sorry, in this World Cup. So, uh We've seen his passing accuracy in his around 90s. So, you know, he's played well. I've seen his heat map also in the tournament. It's, it's been very good, you know, most in the right flank. And his passes have also looked good, you know, accuracy and all. And Dele Ali stepping up in the last two games. 
I couldn't prepare again. Uh, you know, exceptionally very very good performance. You know, crosses. You know, so many chances, passes, through balls. You know, Devin really really playing well. So you know, all you know, as you said, all these signs are indicating greatness. So you may never know what is going to happen. They may even get the trophy home, and it could come home. Yep, and again, it shows that uh, it's not about a single player or a couple of players. It's about the team. It's how how they play. It's how much they know each other, and they are playing with without fear, and they are playing with passion, and that shows on the field. Uh, they have the quality, and they they are showing it. And uh, it won't be very surprising now that they make the jump and actually clinch the World Cup. But it would be a some story if they manage to do that. I I, I just looked out, and I I've just seen some weird, you know, stat kind of stuff over the the last two World Cups. Just considering it. uh i suppose some people would have already read it somewhere but it, it kind of you know seemed interesting uh, in 2010 uh, spain won the world cup and pep guardiola was the manager of uh, barcelona so that was in spain in yep. 2014 he was in germany he won the bundesliga with bayern munich and germany won the world cup now if we consider last season which in which man city had won uh, he was in england so uh, i guess again it kind of answers the question so if if this trend does continue then it's coming it, home is, it, it, it is coming home indeed yeah and as i said england are playing with the passion and fire and they are showing that one player or a couple of players doesn't matter it's about the team and it's about how they know each other and how will they play with each other and if it comes to fruition and at the end they do end up winning the competition it will be some story and uh, at the end i would just like to say that these four teams have really outdone themselves and uh, uh, played some wonderful football and it's just two steps to glory now and uh, let's see which of the remaining teams can make that jump hopefully it's coming home it's time for the questions that you all sent in we have a fair few questions this time and we'll see how well we can answer that the first question is from mctavius he's a long time member of the community and he's asking excluding the obvious names like cristiano ronaldo and messi which player would you like to see in the premier league and what club would suit them best it cannot be your own club so aditya which player do you think will suit the premier league and which player would you like to Uh, have in the Premier League next season. I guess Mkhitaryan, uh, you were kind of unfair to us saying it can't be your own club. So you know, <laughs> it's 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 very difficult for us uh, being a certain club's uh, you know supporters and fans to judge and other teams you know scouting stuff and all like which player would suit them. Uh, it's it's kind of difficult <laughs> for us now to see which, but. Uh, excluding the part what club would suit them the best i'll take in your question but uh, a, f- a few players of perform well in the world cup uh, i guess hiving lozano considering his pace ability skill he could be well suited for the premier league and i guess juan quintero from colombia uh, good set pieces great attacker so again he could be you know playing in the premier league personally Probably. i think juan quintero would suit manchester united right to the ground i'm a manchester united fan but i still think we need a right sided winger and he could be the one anyways uh, what i think is i am a big central midfield fan and 
for me, I would love to see either Thiago Alcantara or Luka Modric in the Premier League. I think they, they, they two are one of the best midfielders in the world. And they would suit any team down to the ground. Any team at all. Because they can just make it, just run the midfield and just be themselves. And I would love to see them in the Premier League in their career. So, uh, let's see what happens. The second question is from Nick FPL at Kiwi Nick or FPL. And he asked, Zaha and Arnautovic of Bobby Firmino and a 4.5 million striker. What do you think? Uh, again, I guess it's uh, Arnautovic and Zaha. Because I just had a look at the 4.5 million strike options. Uh, there isn't clearly a very you know, a good uh, you know, nailed option in terms of their appearances and performances. So there, there isn't a lot of options in the category other than calling corner from uh, Huddersfield. So I suppose he would, he would be benched, maybe probably, you know, coming uh, as a substitute playing as a left winger. So, you know, since the preseason games haven't begun yet, you know, so it's uh, kind of difficult to say who's going to play other than, you know, the, the major players, the big names from the respective clubs. So we'll have to wait and see the preseason games, how they play. Uh, who gets more number of minutes, and then we can judge on whom we want. So the answer is pretty much clear. It's, as of now, it's Arnautovic and Zaha, unless Corner uh, or somebody else plays in the price bracket. Yeah, same for me because they are priced at that uh, 4.5 because they deserve to be. They are, don't seem to provide a lot of value, and that's why they are 4.5 million pounds. So for me, it is Zaha and Arnautovic too for now. But uh, let's see how it goes in the preseason. And how the start of the season goes. The next question is from Yuvan at Yuvan underscore Lionel. He says, is Salah a must-have in early stages? Again, now Salah almost cost Porter if your budget, the budget, I suppose. Uh, I'm not sure about my maths at all. 13 million. So, uh, that's, that's, that's a lot, lot of money you're investing on a player. But in the last season, he was a standout player. But a sudden uh, jump of price from 9 million to 13, that's, that's a 4 million price jump. That, that, that's almost the, you know, the fodder defender's price that you can afford. So, 13 is quite a lot for me. I would personally go with Mane. Yet, I haven't made up my mind saying no Salah. No Salah. I, I haven't done that yet now. So, Mane seems to be, you know, a safe option considering his price. 9.5. Or if you can afford a forward from Liverpool, then it will be Firmino, who's also priced the same. But if you feel that Salah is the best option for you and you can compromise the other areas in the team, you can go ahead with that player. I think player ownership will play a lot of uh, importance as well. Currently, he's nearly 50% owned. And if he starts the way he played last year, you could end up uh, losing a lot of pace very, very quickly. And... Uh, similarly with Lukaku last year, a lot of us owned him just because of the ownership. And if that is the case, then we we really can't afford to go without Mohamed Salah. So if we can uh, make a decent team around him, then he might be a uh, must-have in the early stages for me. But I'm not sure for now. His early return from the World Cup could play a key part in me having him in my Game Week 1 spot as well. Moving on to the next question. Saqib Dawdani at s qib asks, where do you think the value lies this season, defence or midfield? 
I guess this time it is more you know emphasized in the midfield zone. Seeing most of the midfielders price at six six point five, and or two additions from the midfield to forward as Arnautovic and Zaha who come at around seven. So uh, I mean to be fairly speaking, FPL is almost you know a evenly based game in the sense the players are allotted well according to their price and their performances in the previous seasons. So. As as always, since midfielders do get an extra point when they score a goal, so you know in most of the cases the value always lies in midfield, and some part in the defense. So it depends if if you're choosing a you know, premium defender, a wing back kind of players, then it would be beneficial, uh, or or else it it lies in the midfield for me. Yeah, most of the time it does lie in the midfield because. We have seen over the last few seasons, most of the time, the top-scoring players are midfielders, just because uh, they get a point for clean sheet and an extra point for when they score. And I still think uh, midfield will be the most important part. And uh, depends because uh, it's very difficult for teams to keep clean sheet these days. Just one goal you can see, and it's all over. And that's what you want from a defense first, first hand. Uh, all the attacking returns come secondary, and if they can't keep clean sheets, then uh, their value seems to diminish as well. So, I, yeah, I think so. the value does lie in midfield. Moving on to the next question, DS at Vice underscore Cricket asks, playing wild card after the semis before the last round because he thinks there will be heavy rotation in the third place game. Do you think he he's crazy? He can't label himself crazy, first of all, because <laughs> again, uh, we we aren't the managers of their respective countries. So I guess no nobody will be rested since the tournament is in over. Third place is also a very important place in a tournament such as a World Cup. So you know no, nobody would be you know thinking of resting the key players. If, even the first three positions, if you finish in a World Cup, it is it can be also termed as a success and it can be a you know, start of something new. So, um, no. According to me, they won't be benched. But we'll have to wait and see who are the third-place teams. So, I, I guess he is wildcarding after the semi-finals. I guess he should wildcard now. Because uh, they do provide, I guess, five transfers. So, I guess if you're smart enough and you have, you know, picked up the right players, I guess you easily could have built up the squad. So, yeah, I do think uh, that uh, there will be rotation. But... With the five transfers, we should be able to manage it. There shouldn't be that much of a rotation that we cannot manage with five transfers. And given that the third place match will take place before the final, we will be able to see uh, the final teams uh, in that game before the deadline. And we can uh, make our transfers according to that. So it won't be... I, I personally do think as well that the uh, wildcard should be done right now. Moving on to the next question. Wadi Boy asked, Salah plus 6 million midfielder or Mane plus Ericsson? Oh, this is a very, very uh, good question. Uh, Salah plus 6 million, again, 6 million midfielders in terms of selected by, team selected by percentage, Ruben Neves is at the top with 20.5%. And all of the others are around 45 4.5, 4.5. All, all of these are defensive midfielders. So, really, 6 million, there are a few players who can, you know, continue their form as they finished last season. Like, uh, Johan Berg-Gudmundsen is there at 6. 
So we'll have to see if if, if he continues his form. Yeah, their their fixtures look good apart from their fourth game week fixture against Manchester United. Rest uh, all look good. So if if you, if you want Salah in your team and you have some sort of a Spurs and a Man City cover, you can get Goodmanson or uh, Gerard Diolafu is at five point five. We know how good he is. You know how good he performs. Uh, Everton again flopped there, went to Barca and now turned back to Watford. Now Watford's fixtures. Uh, Again, are are that kind of good? They play Spurs, Manchester United, and Arsenal in the first eight game weeks. So again, we'll have to see how well he performs in the initial few weeks. But if if you prefer, you don't want Salah, then I guess Sane, Eriksen, Mane. I mean, they they kind of you know provide more. The balance amount remains a lot. It's around like it's three million around you can spend and upgrade somewhere. So, so, it all depends how evenly you know spend your budget across a team. It's, it's very difficult to you know. Uh, you know, label it and grind it down to only certain spots. These 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 players. So yeah, according to me, it, uh, as of now, I would be saying it it, it will be uh, Mane's, Sane, or Eriksen. Yeah, for me, I think uh, Salah plus six million seems to be a better option because if you get Mohamed Salah, you you are taking care of the highly owned player, and that uh, you won't fall too much behind if he performs really well. And with a six million player, you can get a differential of some sort and uh, make sure that you get some extra points if he if that guy performs. And uh, second thing that benefits is if if Salah does not perform up to standards, you can easily downgrade him to whatever player you like to have. So at the start of the season, I personally would prefer Salah plus a six million player because it gives me a lot of options to move around uh, once the season started starts. So. That's what I think. Okay. Uh, even partially, I, I I agree to you in this matter on this Salah and six million. But but again, as I said, it depends on how the you know his remaining squad members are covered, how well he has evenly distributed his budget. So it, it it all depends. So we can't you know as I said you know really you know you know mark out certain two players and you know say thirteen plus this is done. No, but it all depends on the remaining players if if they you know. They even you know provide equal number of returns to Salah. It is fine. Salah is currently you know owned at forty seven point nine percent without even playing a game this season. <laughs> Jumped to fifty percent almost. So yeah, I mean that that's this is really you know confusing this time. Given that there is the same price in both the places, uh, and uh, if you can just spare point five more and get them a six point five midfielder such as Walcott or. Uh, Cecinion or Richarlison, it could be a really benefit beneficial to go with option number one, and uh, yeah. I guess we'll have to see. But it it doesn't seem too unrealistic uh, to go there, and uh, it could yield some really good points. Yes, and and uh, another option at six is uh, Manchester United's Fred. Uh, I don't know whether Mourinho is going to start him and probably play him in more sort of an attacking role if if he does. Then at six million, you know, this could be kind of a bargain for Manchester United. Other than Paul Pogba, his price at eight, so Fred at six also is a good option. But we don't know whether Mourinho will start him. So yeah, there are a lot of options. But as I said, you need the amount of budget, you know, to use. Yes, yes, at that price, he could be a bargain as well into that Manchester United midfield. Uh, moving on to the next question, uh, uh, FPL Batman asks. Given the low expectations from England at the start, if they lose to Croatia, what would be your final judgment of their performance? 
will it be a good World Cup? Or given that the expectations have raised over the tournament, will we be will, will should we be disappointed with the performances? No, uh, we shouldn't be disappointed. I mean, uh, they they have really really played well, outdone themselves. You know, silence most of the critics saying England always get get eliminated in the group stages. You know, they they don't have life. They play so bad and all. They they've played themselves. You know. Played some very good football, and I'm not ruling them out. I would like to see them in the final. So, uh, the final judgment, according to me, the progress has risen uh, a very good amount. Looking forward, uh, their next performances, especially Euros, also coming in the next two years, then another World Cup. So, we can clearly see England have you know sort of built a team now. So they, they have a you know mix of good young players, talented players, experienced players. So um, I guess for the FA and in England, the team is you know evolving and moving in the right direction. So it, it's a very good performance, according to me. Yeah, many believe that uh, a quarterfinals would be a good place for England to be, and they have uh, exceeded expectations, and they are playing really well. And uh, and fine, and most importantly that they bring the nation to their side. The people are supporting them more. People are more positive about it. And that that should be a victory. Uh, whatever the result on Wednesday may be, it should be a victory for the team, for the nation, and we should be proud of their achievements. Uh, that's what I think as well. So, moving on, the final two questions from FPL Tips. First of all, he asks, who do you think should be a budget keeper rotation with David Haya? And secondly, he asks. Will Spurs really rest Harry Kane at the start of the season? Question number one. Okay, so I'm just taking a look at the fixtures till game week eight. Budget keeper in the sense, I I'm assuming he's saying four point five is his budget, you know, zone. I mean, the standard option would be Lucas Fabianski, considering his performances over the last years against you know with Swansea, his save percentages, you know, and all. Uh, West Ham again. They face Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, and United. Their first eight game weeks. I I can't really see uh, you know clean sheets, but there there may be some you know good amount of save points or maybe even a penalty save and all. So you know, so budget keepers are generally labelled in such a way that they provide you you know good number of save points rather than the clean sheet you know possibility and capability. Fabianski would be one, and then the second most. Uh, you know, selected goalkeeper is uh, Speroni at thirteen point four. I I don't think he will start. I think Hennessy would start. Even Hennessy is priced at four point five, and Palace fixture uh, they, they, they look good. Uh, they only face Liverpool in their first uh, eight eight game week. So I guess pretty much uh, Wayne Hennessy could be an option or Matt Ryan from Brighton. We know what what you know. How he performed well in the double game mix last season. You know, many people playing the hair. What is he? The bench had more number of points than the you know starting keeper. So we all know how well Matt Ryan plays. So Brighton, um, they face United, Liverpool, and uh, Spurs and Man City again. So as I said before, a lot of save points are the only, the only option available now. And uh, I don't know whether Fraser Foster or McCarthy will start again. So again. Southampton's, you know, fixtures look good as they did last season. They failed to give a lot of clean sheets. You know, there, there are a lot of options at 4.5. And uh, 
I guess Ben Foster has joined Watford. So I, I just wait and see how much he's going to be priced. He's also priced at 4.5. Uh, you know, there could be a lot of, you know, there are a lot of options at 4.5 million, especially. I suppose two keepers, 4.5, that's a 9 million budget is, you know, is the regular ideal option for every manager. Yeah, I mean, if you're spending 6 million on David De Gea, you would expect to play him every single week. And uh, uh, if you want a rotation, just get any of the 4.5 million players. I think for the start, uh, Lucas Fabianski or Wayne Hennessy should be the ones. And we can see the new manager at West Ham, uh, Manuel Pellegrini, how they play under him. Make sure for, for the first few games, they have a lot of difficult games. And we'll get an idea of how their season will be. And then we can invest in their players seeing that. Uh, uh, I missed a goalkeeper. Uh, Jonas Lossel is there. I, I missed him out. And even, you know, Huddersfield's fixtures are good. I mean, last season, uh, he played well. You know, again, a lot of points. I think he, there are, again, as I said, a lot of options at 4.5. So, uh, last season, many people went with Foster and uh, Elliot uh, with the 8.5 combination. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, it's ideally it's uh, it's uh, you know smart spending around nine million for a goalkeeper rather than going ten point five with De Gea. I would say you can you know not choose De Gea, go with a United defender like Lindelof, Shaw, and all. Buy they could be you know good options at five point five. And all you are saving point five million again or somewhere one million here. You can you know increase your budget here and there and upgrade your midfield and forward. So it all depends. As I said, FPL is a very you know. This smart strategical game, how evenly you distribute your budget matters the most. Yeah, even Carriers and uh, Leno at 5 million each could be really good options to have because they are relatively cheaper than the other big teams and they could have a few clean sheets. Liverpool have a really good run at the start of the season, so Carriers could be really important. I, I mean, if, if you jump at the 5 million mark, you have a Spikel, Pickford, so again, I missed out Asmir Begovic. I I I did see some Bournemouth and Huddersfield combination. I think look good. So if I'm not wrong, so that that could be another option if you want a nine million. I mean, Casper Schmeichel could be a very good option at five. You know how how well he's performing the World Cup and the fixtures also are not that you know difficult. So you know he could be a guy. But Burn Leno, uh, it's, I I don't want to even you know give the Arsenal man a chance now. I just want to see how well he settles with the Premier League and then, you know, depending on his performances, we can have in our sides. Yeah, so there's a lot of options to choose from. And uh, um, going with David Haya might not be the best choice after all. Secondly, uh, do you think Spurs will really rest Harry Kane? Now, uh, considering uh, England have progressed, uh, you know, uh, quite deep in the tournament now, just the game away from the finals. Uh, so, you know... Uh, We'll have to see how uh, Kane uh, plays in the preseason games. How many minutes he's been given by Pochettino, and uh, depending on that, I think we can evaluate uh, whether we can get him in or not. But the August course, which took, which has taken place or had taken place last two seasons, so you know uh, that, that that kind of puts me off a little. But in my opinion, Spurs. They could rest him for the initial two game weeks or a game week or a most. But, uh, you know, who would want to bench their key forward in such a highly competitive league? So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. On, it all depends on his preseason games. Yeah, I cannot uh, call 
uh, that uh, Kane could be rested for the first couple of games. And given the August Sudo and all those things lurking, I would probably stay away from him for now. Maybe look at him at your first wild card and get him in then. Alternatively, you could go to Ericsson if you don't want Kane, since he is also home yeah, earlier, since Denmark has uh, been knocked out. So, Christian Eriksen could be, you know, a good choice. 9.5 million again. So, if you, if you are, you know, if you want a Spurs player and you are unsure about Kane, I mean, Eriksen could be the standard option. And Lucas Moura, given that Jungmin Sun might be away for Asian games. So, uh, Lucas Moura could start a few games at the start of the season. So, you can get him in your team for your Spurs cover as well. Yeah, I want to see whether Pochettino starts Laurenti. In case if Kane doesn't play, because last season, you know, even uh, when Kane didn't manage to play, it was mostly Son playing as a false nine or forward. So, price at six million, and if Kane doesn't play, we all know how well Laurenti played for Swansea uh, two seasons back. So, you know, again, we'll have to again wait and see. Preseason, you know, gives most of the answers. Yeah, a lot of answers we don't have at this moment because we don't know what is going to happen. Maybe injuries will kick in. Hopefully not. But those stuff happened in preseason. And we can see what happens uh, at the start of the season then. But with that, we come to the end of this podcast. Thanks to everyone who sent in their question. Thanks to all the listeners. And thanks to Aditya for his statistical insights. We are very close to finding out who will win the World Cup this year. And the Fantasy Premier League game is out as well. It's all kicking off now. And so will our weekly podcast. That's all for today. And we will see you in the next one.